Muddy, thank you for joining the podcast today. Hi, hi. Hello, and Stephen, our resident co-host, guest. How are you doing, sir? Uh, good evening, good evening. I'm good. Back again for another another fun episode. Back by popular demand. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. We're in a new Cold War. The ideological villain is no longer Russia. The new villain is China. The battleground is not space exploration. The Cold War is innately technical. In 2019, Huawei, a Chinese company, was perceived as a global threat due to their dominance in manufacturing 5G hardware. Now, TikTok is the Chinese flagship corporate villain. So, a lot is happening right now in the world of tech. And a lot of it is being dealt with at the political level, but it affects everybody. So I just want to know what you guys think about tech right now and how it's being spoken about at a political level and how, uh, how tech is affecting your life right now. I think turn that one over to, to Moody to get us, get us rolling, I think. Um, yeah, no, I've been saying for a while, um, that tech has increasingly been taking over everyone's lives and there's always been like a slow understanding when I talk to other people about it. Um, and I say, Hey, look, Ryan, if you notice that you can't get a job without, I don't know, LinkedIn profile, or at least a smartphone and people are like, Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. And then now we're right now at the stage where you've got the Supreme Court in the US investigating all the top fours, um, You've just got the way everyone is just addicted to their phones all the time. So clearly, yeah, tech is now real estate in terms of the political uh, arena. Yeah, I think uh, tech tech has become increasingly prevalent, uh, particularly over the last you know the last decade, quite comfortably in terms of the social media element and just the actual widespread reach and influence that it's had and in terms of its integration into our everyday lives uh, even further. And it, it covers all sort of aspects of our, of our daily, daily living. I mean, case in, case in point, over the weekend, I uh, wanted, to go to, wanted to go to a seaside area that I'd not been to before. And the principal principal means of you know navigating to get there was via uh, a, a mapping application uh, on my smartphone. Now, when I arrived at the destination, didn't quite land exactly right. Uh, poor planning on my part, but I had a distinct lack of energy two, three, four, or five uh, <laughs> available to me at that point in time, which meant that I couldn't connect to 
anything in a meaning well, meaningful way to sort of, uh, you know, draw, draw in any information I needed about what I was trying to, what I was trying to, trying to do. Maybe. So, um, I was going to say back in our day, when we first passed our tests, driving, we didn't have TomTom and GPS. I don't know what age you guys were, uh, uh, your, your driver license, but we no, had the eight. <laughs> no, that that's right. Yeah, didn't didn't have uh, didn't have Tom Tom James. Yeah, you, you want to try and look at A to Z now? You think you're looking at some ancient <laughs> hieroglyphics? What C four? What <laughs> Listen, I I I I got rid of reluctantly got rid of my uh, my my massive one that I had in the back of the car. I mean, mostly because. I'd forgot that it was there uh, for several years, but eventually found it, and you know, flicked through it for for nostalgic nostalgic reasons. Uh, I wouldn't be able to navigate with it and find where I'm going. Granted, but isn't it amazing how everyone used to be able to get to where they were going, traveling without a smartphone, TomTom, or any other you know satellite navigation system? Everyone still managed to get to where they were going somehow. Just about. I mean, you might be, you know, two, two, three hours later than, than usual, but you got there. It's the, it's the convenience, you know, that's the real success behind tech for me is that it's, it's created great convenience for everybody. I mean, at the cost of privacy, which we're only now starting to understand, um, you know, what the cost of your privacy really is. Yeah. I think I think the the, the convenience uh, definitely so that's that's part of uh, part of the USP right uh, mm. of of any of the the tech it's it's convenience ease of use um, that that naturally leads to an over reliance on on sec- te- said technology I mean again I spoke about the integration into you know every facet of our lives. If you look at the the healthcare sector, right, the integration of technology there. When you think about the uh, the Millennium Bug, for instance, yeah, right. So reliance on technology. So the the genuine fear that ventilators across the world would you know stop working because it's built using you know old programming languages and so forth. To modern um, the, the most modern examples around car technology i mean most modern cars now you know you you plug it into a computer essentially to find out absolutely anything that's sort of wrong with it and it spits out and can tell you precisely what it is as opposed to back in the day you take it to a mechanic you know and that 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 cost that diagnostic cost was was real because they had to actually find and locate what the problem was. Now, uh, Mercedes would charge you a very handsome £135 for the uh, privilege of plugging in a cable and pressing a button. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely the convenience that seduced us. But but you see my point, what I say about there's a cost to this convenience. Yeah. It's, it costs a lot more than just, you know, a thousand pounds you might pay for your iPhone. Oh, most, most, most definitely. I think uh, I'm not trying to do no tinfoil hat conspiracy here. It's like you know, you give someone a product, and then you go into a sweet shop here, and you buy a sweet. That 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 merchant, I'm sure, would love to know 
you know, why you like that sweet, you know, and look yeah. for more information to know how to sell it back to you. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. They, they've taken yeah. the, the information most of the time for legit reasons, you know? Yeah. Well, well and, and, and this is what brings me to the importance of it to governments. So I'm sure we all know that Facebook is one of the biggest uh, companies on the planet. And essentially, a large part of that is the vast global database they have of billions of individuals on the planet, uh, what their interests are, what they like, how old they are, where they live, who their friends are, and lots of other personal information. And then we consider Google, who have a vast database and vast complicated algorithms that can essentially pinpoint adverts to you based on everything they know mm-hmm. about you okay and then um, you have the progenitor to the whole thing as well you have amazon starting oh yes off, you know who, who started off that trend in terms of that data that data collection yeah and taking it a step further back um if you think about things like any store club card that you have so like the tesco club card for example uh it, exactly the same same premise gathering that marketing uh information about you to better target and understand you know how they need to adjust to the different geographic or demographic makeup of their different customer bases yeah so what's what's really interesting to me is the importance now of governments on social media so it's an open secret that president donald trump doesn't like twitter or the way it's managed although that's he's the primary method of communicating with with the world is twitter right that's the irony that's the irony that's the irony now tiktok from from nowhere has exploded in popularity over especially over the last year and now um president trump is enforcing a ban on tiktok in the us unless somebody else bought it now this was highlighted in many news bulletins over the last week but an article written in the telegraph yesterday the 10th of August um, spells out essentially what Trump is saying. If TikTok is not bought by an American company by September the 15th, it will be banned in the US. And the reason behind this is cybersecurity concerns around uh, the Chinese ownership of TikTok. And the average Joe might think, why would President Trump care about TikTok being Chinese, considering that we have Facebook, Twitter, and other American social networks that are also used globally. And it's leading towards a tit-for-tat Cold War battlefield where tech is the battleground for political jousting shall we say well tech, tech is tech is the new heat-seeking missile really isn't it 
um, in, 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 in the war. I think uh, Donald Trump is, is, I would say, he's, a, he's an oxymoron, but the emphasis would be on the uh, moron elements of that. I think he, it, it's, very, it's very clear what his objection is about. I mean, he will link everything to being a security risk, a security flaw, or some some sort of vulnerability. But it's just a logical extension of his war against China. It's a it's an, it's entirely divisive and, and political. It can't be rooted in anything deeper or greater greater than that. Um, so, you know, with the multi billion you know, multi-billion sort of trade bits and pieces that he sort of put in place over the, the, the past few months, you know, where they, they've traded, you know, yeah. well, we, we, you know, we've identified a further 200 billion worth of goods that are going to be, you know, taxed and et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's just an extension of that. What else can he do to actually crush China. It feels as though he's, he's in a very tyrannical, tyrannical way trying to actually crush China. So yeah. you, attack, you attack every element of, of the society and sort of bring it down. Anything that's successful, you want to bring it down. Anything that's prevalent, you want to bring it down. I think Huawei, the situation with Huawei, um, again, is a great example of that. And in terms of a security risk, in terms of the legitimacy of that being the principal reason. You can understand that because that's actual physical hardware um, making up a brand new network, communication network. So it could, you can understand the potential there. But TikTok? Yeah. I'm sorry, is someone is someone going to in, encode national secrets in dance moves that are going to be shared globally around the world? I'm uh, not, not entirely sure what the rationale is there. I think the purported fear is imagine another Facebook that isn't owned by America because the demographic of TikTok is a lot younger uh, than the other social networking apps, as I understand. And I think the fear is, is that all the inf information that Facebook and other social networks harvest from people across the globe, they don't want to give that real estate to another person and and i think it's as simple as that they all the email addresses telephone numbers and contacts and interests that i believe is being captured within the app they just want to own and don't want anyone else to own it and aside from the fact that i think that's what the government want the company who is being rumored to be interested to buy it just i don't think it fits and I'm going to ask Moody, Microsoft, do you see TikTok being a brand that would fit in Microsoft's stack, considering that Microsoft kind of focus on cloud, corporate cloud software and, and, and infrastructure? I mean, Microsoft for, for over a decade now have been trying to soften up the image and be a bit more, uh, you know, friendly, not just corporate, a bit more uh, family friendly or home friendly. Um, so I wouldn't see this as, as fitting for them. I, I mean, I would see this as fitting for them. I mean, just like Google, they both try to do their own social networks and it kind of bummed out. Like no one really does it anymore. No one uses a uh, live chat. You know, there's yeah. also chat systems. Um, 
So I think this is this is an opportunity for them to try and gain back some kind, some share of the, of the social market, really. So I think it makes sense. Um, and I think there's proof, there's legitimacy in this because you've got Twitter who is also trying to make a uh, a bid for it, albeit yes. to see it as more of a long shot than, than a real serious bid. But I think that shows that once once TikTok comes into the US market firmly, um, you know, t- Twitter and TikTok, they operate in, in, in a similar way. They're all about short pieces of content. And, um, but Twitter, I'm sorry, Twitter, Twitter <laughs> is, uh, is text. Well, TikTok's video, so it's kind of like the next next phase. So there's definitely some interesting competition that's going to happen. Just just forget China for a minute. This is interesting within the tech world. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, definitely. I mean, mergers and acquisitions are always interesting, but you know, especially in the tech world. What was you going to say, Stephen? Well, I mean, if you look between between WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram. Twitter, right? Uh, before that, if you if you look at the other the, the platforms which um, you know went the way of the dinosaur pre pre Facebook, you know if you look back at My, <laughs> MySpace and you know for 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 those of you who don't know what MySpace is, Tom was everybody's friend. Um, so. Yeah, you have you have these these platforms which which you know Snapchat which which you know try and outdo each other. Um, I mean, people don't talk about Vine anymore. Uh, another prime example of uh, some something that was superseded uh, ultimately by by Instagram, which effectively replicated what it did in a slightly different way and extended yeah. the length of the actual you know uh, videos. So. In terms of the share currently uh, in the US, I believe it's around 100 million users. So I'm not entirely sure what the fear is. Um, I don't, you know, most social media in terms of, in terms of different, different applications don't tend to be consumed singularly by users. Now it's competition as to who uses what the most, but a lot of people will have had a Facebook account and subsequently an Instagram account um, and may indeed Snapchat somewhere along the lines still. So the nature of the platform in terms of how you use it and how you interact is, the, is, a, is another evolutionary stage in our, in our social engagement, you know, get those trending, trending dances out there um, that become quite popular. You know, and become become the latest sensation. Well, opportunities existed on the other platforms the same same way as as well. Um, but I think I think you have to give you have to give these social uh, networks the that was it is it the big four the big five uh, Facebook not not just social networks so just big companies Facebook Amazon um, Twitter Instagram. Google, Netflix. Uh, the way they're just intertwining themselves. Like if you if you can imagine like a rose bush or a vine, you know, the way it's just interwinded in itself and with mm. other plants as well. It's mm. very hard to take them out. And that that's the difference between between Facebook and I don't know, um whatever it was, High Five or whatever other social was <laughs> <laughs> yep. out there. You know, Facebook was very aggressive in like just getting it out there and start sharing it in your sites. And the same thing same pattern happens with all of them. They find a way to intertwine 
elaborate. Yeah. yeah. Other things. So they're here to stay is my point. And, and TikTok has proven itself that it has something that I think it even supersedes um, uh, uh, Snapchat. You know, it is very addictive. I don't mm. know if you guys tried it. <laughs> uh, yeah. not, 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 not personally, not personally, but I can, so I understand the, the appeal uh, and, and the, the prevalence of it. As I said, it's, it's sort of, but it, it's, it's effectively sort of like one dimensional is, is, is my understanding of it. So like Facebook, obviously you have, you have different outlets so between pictures videos slideshows different games and things like that how you interact with it and that's how it exists instagram which was again singularly pictures in the first instance then became short clips then became videos then became right live streaming with all of the advert revenue and things like that that are generated from it myspace a lot of people wouldn't remember taking you back in time effectively had all of these same same things so you had you know uh music videos you had video you know voice recordings you had pictures uh all, all of these elements in, in 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 that application um i think in the integration into um everyday life is 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 so part of you know, it's such a normal part of society now that you don't even necessarily realize that it's that it's always there. You go onto any website and, and read any article, and at the top or bottom, you'll see a host, you know, four to five instantly recognizable icons that that tell you that you can share this content via all of these different social media platforms, you know, Facebook, tw Twitter, Instagram, whatever else, Reddit, um, those, those, those handles are, are baked into it. And everything that's developed now, you know, has that, that integration option almost by default baked in. Um, any corporation has a presence on a lot of different social media sites, again, targeting all of those you know, key areas where they know people spend a lot of a lot of their time. So you're you're right. The the integration and prevalence in society means that it is indeed here to stay. Um, but it comes down to the actual cost, the actual price, which you previously um, mentioned, Woody, uh, in terms of uh, privacy. Mm. Yeah. So and on that, since you talk about costs, Stephen, um, Woody, let's talk about the big money and the big data from, from your point of view, where are we today with, 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 with big data and how do you think markets and capitalization of companies affect data or, or the other way around? Yeah. Um, I think with big data, I mean, it's still an ongoing problem, I think for businesses, um, because big data means I've come to the conclusion that big data means too much data. <laughs> you must take to know what to do with it, you know, um, and that's why you know there's an ongoing you know effort to try and make AI useful, which it is to a certain degree, and it's getting more and more useful. So, in that in that respect, <clears throat> that's an ongoing thing. What, what I'm trying to understand in the, in the context of TikTok is what kind of data are they actually collected. What makes them really different from you know the other uh, social networks because 
There's no point spending. How much is it? Thirty billion is the asking price. Thirty billion. Ten, ten, ten to thirty billion was the the estimated. Well, let's yeah. just say let's just say ten billion then, yeah. Like, how do you break that down? That has to be, um, um, you know, calculated. They don't just pick it out of the sky. Hey, mate, I want to buy TikTok. What are you saying? Ten billion, mate. You know. Well, I think it's loosely loosely based on the actual value of the company as, as it is now. So I think the, yeah. the current owner, I think, has estimated that net worth is something circa close to circa nineteen nineteen billion dollars. Well, uh, does he have nineteen billion dollars sitting in the account, and that's what they're going to buy? You know. But, well, I mean, okay. So a lot of a lot of companies, when when you look at the, when you look at the value of them, they don't actually have the amount of the amount of the amount of capital that the company is worth. Yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look at Apple, Apple doesn't have one point five trillion dollars <laughs> available to sort of spend. If you say if you say that now, it's pretty you know predicated on the, the the volume of shares and the actual share price as as driven by the actual market. Yeah. So certain and to add to what Stephen just said is certain uh, industries have a particular multiple. Uh, which is applied to the amount of earnings uh, that a company generates within a year. In tech, is it, it can be extremely high, especially for companies that are trending and very popular. So in some cases, uh, you know, price earnings ratio can be up to 100. So 100 times what they generate in net income. It could even be more than that if it's going to be the next biggest thing. So how... So sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Anthony. So yeah. how how much? I mean, how is TikTok making money? Number one, is that through ads? So that is my understanding. So my understanding is, I think with TikTok, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not an avid user of TikTok, but I'm not hundred percent aware at this point. And you can you can tell me, Woody, do you get adverts on TikTok now? Okay, I did. I'll be honest. I used it after early quarter, and then I paused. <laughs> I think you have a lot. You have a lot of the usual revenue streams. So you have like you know in-app purchases, um, as as all you know the other platforms do as well in terms of uh, generating money. So I think uh, I think a lot of it is probably from uh, in in-app purchases. So if you need coins to be able to do anything then people would be spending that 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 money so i'm seeing that um tiktok enable sellers and service providers to place adverts within the platform so the 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 advertising or the revenue streams are going to be very similar to to instagram i would have thought which is they'll place um sponsored videos in feeds and timelines and, and, and stuff like that. Um, so if TikTok are making um, large amounts of income from that and other channels within the business, that will be used as part of their balance sheet in, in many ways. And then investors will place a multiple on top of you know, there'll be IP, intellectual property, that would have a value. There'd be the net income that's got value. There might be physical assets, which has value. There might be soft assets that have value. 
then add all that up to, to create a net income figure for a year and then they'll create a multiple on that and then that may or may not include additional amounts of valuation because of its future prospects as well so intangible uh, 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 calculations added to the value so it can be arbitrary in many ways Moody to be honest with you um, but if the owner or private investors have placed that figure on it then that's the figure that Microsoft or other potential buyers would potentially need to shoot for but again some of that can be speculative so some of that may be oh because they know the price is going up they're, they're, they're trying to front load the cost at the front you know because mm. um, when Instagram was bought um, Instagram was bought at the time for what was seen at the time for a ridiculous amount of money considering the app at the time hadn't been sort of running for more than 18 months yeah and I think uh, we, we need to remember certain you know tiny little events that happened um like the dot-com bubble um as a fine example of the the overinflation in terms of value of tech companies and tech stocks and we see how that that went it's a high stakes game um based on based on intangibles for sure but there would also be a degree I, I would say of of like underselling so trying to get the best value for money so whereby most people would would think that you know 10 to 30 billion is a lot somewhere along the lines somebody is is doing the calculations to determine that that's that's an investment that's going to yield a return that's significantly greater than that otherwise it's not an attractive proposal if that makes sense i mean you're talking about someone like microsoft i don't know what their network is but 30 billion is a dropping world a trillion right. um it's close there so microsoft market cap is uh, over a trillion now um amazon is leading the way i think it's uh last wow. time i checked it's 1.7 trillion. trillion trillion you heard me right trillion dollars a trillion so, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's nothing mate I don't, I don't, let's just focus back on China. Now that we know, yeah, that Microsoft's cracking, yeah, the drip that they got. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've been thinking this. Let's, let's, let me just no, make this. See, I think the, the Microsoft thing as well, I, I didn't hear that they were interested, you know. I, I, I keep hearing them being flouted as the, 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 the forerunner. Uh, and, and, I don't, I don't, and I don't know if that's forerunner in terms of, clout or, or ability to because because i wouldn't see because I, I, I wouldn't see any other, any other social media platform based on a company that has a sufficiently large size so so that 10 to 30 billion is okay yeah so it's, it's interesting you say that Stephen. it's interesting you say that because there's two sides to it so i think it's been rumored that microsoft are going for it because the CEO of Satya Nadella is supposed to have had a direct conversation with Trump. It was reported by lots of uh, outlets in the last week. And Trump's given his blessing for Microsoft to investigate the deal. I mean, you're quite right to add that what other social network would actually want to buy it um, that has the money. So you wouldn't have thought Facebook would be interested because they've just rolled out a new feature this week called Reels, which is basically a ripoff of TikTok. Um, so they're not interested. Um, uh, Twitter are interested, but they are worth as much as what 
TikTok is being uh, touted at, um, and then you you've kind of run out of of, of other potentials. Yeah, and and don't forget a lot of these a lot of these high profile accusations from a from a tech point of view, uh, if you think about it, is for the singular purpose of a lot of times crushing the thing that you've actually purchased to remove remove competition. Case in point, Vine. Right. So Microsoft wouldn't be doing it for that reason because they no. they they don't own any any you know property that competes in that sphere in the in the same way. I think they they they're quite happy with the success of Microsoft Teams at the moment in terms of a <laughs> in terms of a tech success story, but they don't own any you know there's no social aspect like that. So okay. So keeping on with the theme of social networks, what is the profile of a hacker in 2020? So one assumes that the biggest companies in the world would have the best cybersecurity tools in the world, but we keep getting reminded by the high-profile hackings that are taking place from time to time that no one is immune. And uh, recently, uh, the phone of Mr. Jeff Bezos, who's only the richest man on the planet with his own individual 170 billion, uh, his phone was hacked recently. Um, so I'm not sure if you've seen the uh, updates in the last couple of weeks or so about Twitter accounts being hacked, uh, which were owned by celebrities. And the suspects that have been charged with hacking these accounts have a interesting uh, profile. And before I highlight what the profile of the suspects were, uh, Moody, considering that you are a senior person in tech, from your perspective, what does a hacker look like today from your point of view? Um, my definition is a bit deep. They look like politicians. They look like Mr. Trump. <laughs> I'm real talk because even this Twitter, um, I'm not trying to take this out of context, even in this Twitter uh, scenario, did you know one of the, I don't know what actually happened, but one of the explanations I heard which seemed to make sense to me was someone just called up and um, pretended to work for Twitter and, asked, and knew what to ask for. So they basically socially engineered in a way into the accounts because I can't see how possibly all the accounts got hacked. So it has to be something central. Yes. So I've read an article in The Guardian. The titled article was Twitter hack US and UK teams arrested over breach of celebrity accounts. And um, they've done exactly what you suggested. Um, what the quote in the newspaper said authorities to charge three men in a major twitter breach this month uh, that hacked the accounts of prominent politicians and technology moguls to scam people around the globe out of more than one hundred thousand dollars in bitcoin and the article goes on to talk about the fact that members of staff at twitter were contacted um, 
and they were socially engineered essentially to providing information that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to have so they've posed as internal employees asking for uh, credentials of particular accounts and 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 that's how it's happened now how that is even allowed to just take place is 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 a little bit suspicious um but yeah uh, that's what it's been suggested has happened can we, can we just take a moment to uh uh i don't know a moment of silence for all the people that um, sent money in in order to get more money out. <laughs> um, honestly, because when you read the damn thing, you was like, "What?" Only someone that wants to get more money, not someone that actually wants to help the world, <laughs> would have responded to that. No. Yeah. Because there was just no. Yeah. It was like, yeah. oh, gosh, I'm not going to start now. It was like a Yahoo, a Yahoo boy's uh, uh, email. It's like, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Anyway, you and I. But yeah, you know, when you you've seen and heard it all, you know, people are still donating well, money to, you know. And I think, in in terms of hacking, you have you have the different levels of things that happen, right? So, if you if you look at all of the high profile ransomware. Uh, attacks that have that have gone on as well, uh, slightly different, yeah, you know, and an element of hacking in, in some regards, but effectively holding holding an organization, you know, ransom, uh, you know, where you we're requesting significant sums of money, uh, in order for you to in order for them to get back control of their systems. And I can't remember which company it was very recently. I think this week, last week, uh, who actually gave in and paid the the the, the ransom ransomware. Yeah, file. I heard about that company. I forgot. I heard about that. Yeah, I was like, uh, it's quite 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 high profile. It's not it's not a it's not you know, even a small company. It's quite a quite a large company. It's good about money, isn't it? Actual article. Well, they they yeah, it was it was uh, they they, they, job, they gave in at. <laughs> they actually gave in and and paid 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 the actual ransom for it now you know i i've heard of different ransomware attacks in the uk um i think there was uh, quite a popular one uh, several years ago or two two instances uh, going around the nhs for example of a ransomware attacks that made its way from trust to trust via the NHS.net email network system. Um, and I remember the IT, <laughs> the IT departments, obviously, you know, working over serious overtime to try and actually, you know, stop the actual spread of it. Because, you know, a lot of people either innocently click on things um, and because it looks like it came from somebody they know or whatnot, you know, spread it from machine to machine. Um, but I mean, that was, those were asking for nominal amounts. Was it two, was it a hundred to 250 pounds, uh, to, to, you know, gain back control of your PC. Otherwise they'll wipe everything. Um, but that, that's another element of element of hacking. I don't know if the, if there's any security concern in terms of, uh, 5g technology and, and, and Huawei's, 
um, hardware in install sort of in, in the UK and America. So in terms of that spying concern that uh, Donald Trump has there, which has obviously been passed along to the rest of the world, namely, namely Britain, who didn't, who didn't initially go along with his condemnation of the company, but they, they agreed a, a small percentage that they could actually have in terms of hardware here before then changing their stance and saying, okay, by year X, all of the equipment needs to be <laughs> removed. Yeah, so 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 that was a a big joke uh, from my point of view because um, over the last five years, um, I'm aware that Huawei have been bidding for contracts relating to five G in this country, and I believe that some of the five G infrastructure that has already been installed in this country, some of the core infrastructure has Huawei kit in it. Now, when they were bidding for the 5G uh, net, uh, contract, uh, obviously they were bidding to provide the whole network. Um, all of the 5G equipment that Britain needs, I see that as core network infrastructure anyway. And I know that Britain tried to use a caveat that Huawei wouldn't be allowed to use any of their kit in core network infrastructure. But I don't see how that's not possible because the only kit that they can put up right now, I assume, wildly, is 5G, um, is core infrastructure. Um, so, but the... Oh, go on. So I think wasn't the, the mandate to remove all of their equipment be... Yeah, by yeah, it was by twenty twenty five, wasn't it? Something I like think that? they said within the next seven years. Yeah. But it, what what's just hilarious is the fact that they recently confirmed that they could do it, and then they've said remove it all. So it's just typical British procrastination. No, I think I think I think it's it's, it's all necessary. Like like you have to. It's like. Is it going back to a point that I think um, Stephen you made about um, what's his name Trump? He's a he's a buffoon or whatever. He was making all these ridiculous uh, uh, decisions. I'd say when it comes to the tech side, he's not the one making the decisions. It's necessary because I'm not saying Huawei are spying, but it's inevitably going to be easy for them to flip a switch for that to happen. You know, so to have their yes. networks running in America or in land is just feeding the object, right? And then also with this uh, TikTok deal, um, it's the same thing, you know? Um, <clears throat> um, it's, it's, they're collecting some kind of data. And if it's owned by China, you know, China running their own set of rules, you know, their own sovereignty. So America can't have that. And then um, when it comes down to this Twitter thing with the social engineering, well, that, that is exactly what Trump is doing. And that's why I say politicians are all part of the game. Social engineering is the most basic, you don't need a computer to hack a computer method out there. So, yeah. I think, yeah. I, I, I think, I think young Mr. Edward Snowden um, said all there is to say about uh, invasion of privacy, hacking, and... Uh, data data harvesting 
on an astronomical sta- scale by the US governmental agencies as as there are as it is there you have it so the the <laughs> so you know the 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 Americans do it and that's perfectly fine but they they are happy to vilify any other country that may potentially um do the same thing not that they necessarily will but i'm pretty sure i think we can all agree that spying on an international level is not a new or recent phenomena and it's an activity that is only progressed by the advancements in technology yep classic hypocrisy yeah if technology was there to save the world you know make our lives easier and it does make our life easier and it does actually help with that. but boy well it's <laughs> well it's the it's the it's okay. it's, it's the, the usual thing right if you know some things are made with the intention of with the intention of good or benefit benefit you know of of the general masses or individuals but they're they're always opportunists who who will use, you know, the, the same thing for nefarious reasons. So, well, this is the same reason why I believe that no social media network today charges for usage because actually, just having your data is considerably more valuable than charging you five pound a month to use the service. Well, it's the revenue stream. So, from 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 advertising. So, if they know if they know that a particular demographic in a particular part of the world exhibits uh, exhibits certain preferences right the the advertising revenue that targeted advertising revenue goes through the roof and you know is is evidenced by the uptick in sales in in those you know in those demographic areas where where it's targeted so Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, I mean, that's that's the base data they're getting out of all of it. They're understanding their their market, so then they can raise the price of that, right? Uh, but then when you mix that with not just products that someone might be trying to sell, but political parties, you know, political agendas, how do you guys see that? Well, it's interesting you ask that question, Woody. Um, the reason why is. I was promoting this podcast about a month ago and I set up an Instagram promoted advert um, on on their application. And uh, normally what happens when you try and uh, promote an advert on Instagram, you just get your content, you post on there, you, you target your audience, uh, you can target them by interest or you can get Instagram to narrow it down based on your followers. And then you essentially uh, submit it and within 24 hours Instagram has a quick look at your advert and then and then your adverts live okay and I've done this lots of times before so I was trying to promote um, the, the launch episode of this podcast so episode one two three and four and the content of the advert was just a, a, a video with the trade like essentially a trailer for the first four episodes and the subject titles. Um, after about a, a day waiting for the advert to go live, I had a rejection from Instagram. And um, the reason why they rejected it is because 
the advert contained content that was either political or that it was political to the point where it could sway an election or tapped on social issues that are sensitive for the time. And they blocked my advert from going out there. So essentially, and it had nothing controversial in it, nothing, it it had no words or items that I would consider as trigger words. Mm. All, it was just the title of the episode and it got blocked. That's mad, you know. But it's quite interesting. I mean, was yeah, it clear to it you why, why your advert was blocked? No. And that's even more uh, mad. I, no. So I had to Google why content was blocked, or why content gets blocked on Instagram. And I picked up on the social, and it could sway an election piece. It's like, oh, is it because everyone's talking about Black Lives Matter and everyone's talking about COVID-19 that, I'm not allowed to talk about anything positive or negative, and it was neutral about COVID-19, and I can't say anything positive or negative of anything that relates to racism, because racism is a hot political topic for the time. And this is just me, who's only got sort of 50 followers on Instagram, and he blocked me. Do you you see this crowd control that's going on now? That's why I'm saying that's mad, because that's crowd control, you know? So I think... If we if we flash back to the um, the Trump's first you know electoral campaign, and if you look at the immediate aftermath and the big scandal with Cambridge Analytica, um, in terms of that 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 harvesting of data and that influence, and the big scandal surrounding the the you know, Russians via via Facebook and what you know, whatever, trying to influence the elections and being accused of influencing the election with posts that were aimed, targeted, you know, at, at different demographics to try and, you know, bolster their, their feeling in one direction or another. I think that's prompted uh some of the questions of social media platforms in terms of their regulatory processes. Now, there are regulatory processes already in situ to deal with certain censorship, you know, of, 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 of materials. Um, but I remember watching Mark Zuckerberg um, getting, getting grilled around the Cambridge Analytical scandal and what he did and didn't know or what the company did or didn't know at the time about what was actually happening and if they were just complicit you know with it or if they genuinely were surprised and shocked and what process you know what what steps will be taken to sort of remedy this or go towards remedying this in the future so what we are seeing now is a marked uptick from these incidents rippling through now across all of the all of the platforms um the black lives matter the resurgence of the black lives matter movement uh so 2015 those who didn't know up till now george floyd starting off the the latest round of riots and and so forth um social media as a as a platform has been 
criticized over the years for either helping coordinate riots and things like that, you know, where they say people, people, you know, know to go to certain areas where the police aren't, you know, via social media and all of these things. So social media's prevalence now in society as a, as a means of large, large proportions of the demographics getting, you know, of a population getting instant access to unfiltered or uncensored information that that is now sort of politically dangerous and we have the the upcoming election in, in the u.s now so now more than ever i i would imagine there's quite a lot of work being done in that censorship yeah so see this talks about a point that i'm I find quite sensitive. So if in the Western world we are told we have freedom of speech, right? If we have true freedom of speech, then there should be little censorship. If at all, right? Now, this brings me on to a topic that I'm a bit bothered about. And social media networks are doing it a lot now. And it's fact-checking. Now, I have a problem with fact-checking. And it's very simple. It's just a form of censorship, right? Because if I post an opinion on Twitter, um, which might be, I think Moody is the best full-stack developer I know, that's my opinion. I don't believe that an opinion is something that Twitter or a another social network can go back and put a fact check label and say, well, actually, this is incorrect because of X, Y, Z reason. No, and and that that that's correct because that that is an opinion that is that is subjective. I am by no means doubting your credentials, Moody. Um, I'll take Anthony for his for his words on on that one, right <laughs> about yeah, you. As long as I stay in the job. If you, there, there you go, there you go. Um, but when you start, when you start talking from a quantitative point of, you know, point of view, or if you, if you start citing things, if, or if you start, you know, being specific and pointing out certain things, I, I, I don't think. I mean, fa- okay, so let, let's let, let's not make fact checking a new phenomenon. Because in terms of news articles publication, that's that's always sort of been a thing that you can that you can challenge. And over the years, in the smallest print possible, you will see a lot of uh, you know correct you know correct corrections of things stated in previous publications where you know the 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 the, the numbers or the position was not what they initially actually reported they do go back and correct correct things but fact checking is is almost a it's, it's almost a fashion statement now because with with anything particularly p- political stuff anything that's said or you know or any live debate or anything that happens now immediately it's all about fact checking you know this person said that 20,000 you know 
20,000 homes would be able to be built per day over the next three years, you know, over the next three years, totaling whatever total housing capacity. It's like, you know, somebody's going to check, oh, hmm, that's not, that's not, that's not quite correct. You know, it's actually only 18,000 uh, per day over so-and-so. So, yeah. fact, well, fact, when you have someone control the narrative, Stephen, I mean, but, but I then, mean, there, okay. there, there could be alternative facts, can't there? And, and, and that's where I have the issue, because we could have alternative facts. Like, for example, uh, a fact might be that, very simply, um, two, well, two, two is more than one. That could be solved as a fact. But actually, three minus two equals one, two. So um, okay, let, let's let, let's look let, let, okay. Let's look at, a, at an example that that supports the the point that you're making there. So if we look at um, the climate change argument, so you'll have a you'll have a a a. a I'm. It makes me ill every time I say this. You have a president of the United States who will say it's hashtag fake news. And you'll have, you know, or even if you take him out of the equation, let's let's take him out of the equation. Uh, I think he's getting far too much airtime on 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 our on our talk. Um, but you have one group of scientists who who will present the facts for for their case to say that climate change isn't really a thing. You know, man's man's uh, man's intervention man's output isn't sufficient to actually affect the environment on the planet then you'll have the other set of scientists who present their facts which you know irrequivably demonstrates that we are indeed causing climate change global warming to accelerate so that's an example in terms of fact checking where it it sort of doesn't apply. It's it's that's that's a presentation of two sets of facts, and it's up to you then to decide. I think I think that's not really a worry um, when it comes to numbers specifically. Specifically, say that word. Um, I know is that the general view that the moment when someone comes out in the news of hundred people are gonna die or whatever figures and graphs is that you can always bend data. That's the thing about data. Data is just as subjective yeah. as, as what you just said about about my, my levels as a programmer, Anthony. Uh, people understand that now. Um, but I do agree that there is a level of fact checking going on and um, I think the first point you made where you said uh, freedom of speech should be free and uh, maybe with just a little bit of a on the word to use, but a, a little bit of censorship. But that's the point. That also is subjective. You know, that level of censorship and who is um, enforcing uh, the censorship. That is also subjective. Yeah. There is no objectiveness in this. There's no one that can be guarding this. And so there's always mm. going to be a bias. And mm. guess what? Facebook, Microsoft, all of these big guys, they may not like the government, yeah, but they do have to pay some kind of tax. They are in the same bed, and so they're going to have to be biased towards the government. That's why Trump can even act in the or anybody who's a president can act in the way they can, because at the end of the day, you have to abide by the law, you know. So there's always that bias yeah. that will always mm. creep in. 
And I, I, and that, that clears it up for me why they want TikTok to be sold by sold to an American company unless cease to be uh, to be to, to work in this uh, country because it's influencing a lot of young people, yeah. And they're trying their yeah. best now to get a lot of young people, especially black people. So this BLM is very political to start to vote. And if they, they if that that demographic can be controlled via TikTok by another a sovereignty, that's a big no no. We need to make sure we plug that hole. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, free, freedom of speech. This is a interesting one that we put out there again. Um, freedom of speech. So freedom of speech didn't exist for the black man in the United States of America who touts freedom of speech um, probably the 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 most of pretty much any country in the world that that freedom of speech um freedom of speech for who 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 you know who 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 governed and dictated that so yeah freedom freedom is a very freedom is a very very difficult to it's how you see it to Exactly, it's a very difficult thing to bring up in in conversation. So, yeah. Okay. All right then. So, I'm gonna press a rewind button, um, an ideological rewind button, and we're back in November 2017. I've downloaded an app called Revolut, so I can transfer euro to an app which is stuck in verification for over a week. The name of the app is Coinbase. Coinbase is top in the app download charts on Google Play and the iStore. The postman, the Uber driver, your auntie, we're all telling you one thing in two words. Buy Bitcoin with no context. Now, uh, fast forward to August 2020, and I look at the uh, Bitcoin price chart, and it's starting to look very, very similar to the time approaching uh, November uh, 2017 and what I want to do is have a discussion with you both about what you currently think about crypto now um, I know that a lot of established financiers back in 2017 were mocking cryptocurrency uh, and mocking people who were considering it as a financial asset class uh, but now as it's stuck around, um, what, what do you guys think? And, I, and, I, and I'll start off with Moody. Um, I think I think it's here to stay. Um, and a lot of people have said that before me. Um, definitely has enough money that was invested back in November, which I was sadly one of those people who I lost a bit. Um, <laughs> but and it still has a lot of money moving forward. Even the small amount that I have left, which I just left in there. Um, it's just nice to see how it keeps upticking and downticking, and right now it's 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 maintaining, it's stable. So it's definitely um, I would I would recommend people look into it. It's a lot easier to understand as well than uh, say the stock markets. Uh, so yeah, just be careful, you know. <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As 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 with as with 
as with a lot of these things, yeah, uh, caution should be exercised to the fullest with it. Now, uh, the the dark web exists and in terms of funding transactions for goods exchanged by the dark web, cryptocurrency is the number one uh, format for that to happen. Now, naturally, there are certain governmental agencies who have a have an interest in cryptocurrency not being as successful um, because it, it makes it easier for criminals to move money around in uh, a new format that they they typically didn't have beforehand. Um, that aside, I think we all remember when uh, Bitcoin scaled the 10,000 plus uh, price mark um, that that made a lot of you know uh, global global headlines. I think all of a sudden you saw a whole collection of people you know uh, famous or otherwise talking about you know their their Bitcoin collection. I think there were some famous instances of uh, someone who had a large collection of Bitcoin, um, but they had lost <laughs> or they couldn't remember the password to their account. Which effectively meant wow. their their multi million um, pound Bitcoin fortune was, you know, sat there free to gain or lose value as it inevitably did. Um, but yeah, uh, as a as a as a as a currency, uh, a lot of a lot of people are shifting towards. Uh, investing in the different different cryptocurrencies, um, Bitcoin mining again was was quite a thing. Um, I think that there were, I remember there being several raids of different different uh, Bitcoin mining establishments that were set up in in warehouses, you know, massive sort of server centers dedicated. To mining were established and discovered and shut down. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as as Moody said, approach with caution. But yeah. it will be a, you know it will be around for a period of time. Okay. As 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 will Revolut. <laughs> Others are available. Um, <laughs> so. For me, full disclosure, I actually have no cryptocurrency holdings, um, but that's just a full disclosure. Um, for me, cryptocurrency... I'm surprised. I thought you would. Yeah. No, so I also was one of the people who got involved late 2017. Um, my sort of portfolio quintumpled and... I started thinking of being able to pay off my mortgage within a year because of the, the rate wow. of appreciation of crypto. I, I was thinking that, yeah, in a year's time, that'll be me. Uh, mortgage <laughs> paid off, Lamborghini. You know, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I thought my life was going to change because of this new 
or at the time this new asset. Mm. And then uh, and I started to see it starting to tank around New Year's Day. Well, I think for me, yeah, I started to notice the price dropping slowly but surely around New Year's Day 2018. Then it fell and off a cliff. Yeah, and then I was like, um, Oh, this has gone from quintuple to quadruple to treble to double. And there's me like a thing. I'll oh, go back up. Then it kept on falling. And I just took took a double up out. And, and, and that was it. So and I, didn't, and I didn't jump back in. So I'm surprised myself I don't have any. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I liquidated all my holdings at the time. Now, I, I remember talking to uh, one of my colleagues uh, about a year ago and the conversation was about you know same thing about about bitcoin um in its in its infancy and how much how much it was worth and he was having a conversation with uh someone who you know and they they both agreed that you know it was a, a good prospect at the time and i think the the prices he were he was quoting per per bitcoin was ridiculously cheap insofar as you know your your current multiple would be time you know times times eight point five thousand <laughs> you know and at that time you know he still remained skeptical and he wanted to do a bit more research and and then life got in the way and then he you know I think he was looking at um, moving to a different country and you know things like that and uh, the different country being um, England, um, and then yeah, I forgot about that. And then by the time he got settled and was interested again, you know, when he saw the prices, he was then priced out of yeah. <laughs> priced out of getting on board, and you know, forever sort of kicked himself at that that missed opportunity. But yeah. but things only you know things like that only function in in hindsight, right? So yeah. for a relatively new currency, there's, there's, there's no, there's no precedence for it. And the history in terms of, you know, tracking the, the law of averages with its, its pattern isn't that long to, to give you that comfort level. It's not like it, you know, stretches back 30 years and you can see that seasonal variation or, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I think cryptocurrency has two sides to it from my point of view. So you've got cryptocurrency, the concept, which is an asset which is decentralized, not governed by any geographical jurisdiction that enables people to transfer money um, that is not directly connected to any one specific economy other than the cryptocurrency market itself, which is which is an attractive concept for many people for different reasons, uh, good reasons, bad reasons, indifferent reasons, right? And then there's cryptocurrency, the asset class, which, as, as Stephen said, uh, it's a new thing. Um, however, due to the fact that we've gone through the boom bust, or at least the first cycle of a boom bust of Bitcoin and the wider cryptocurrency market, because most of the other cryptocurrencies are pegged 
to the price of Bitcoin in one way or another, uh, explicitly or implicitly, the fact it stayed around and its relationship with other asset classes is quite interesting. And this is why, personally, I believe that um, cryptocurrencies is a, 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 a financial asset class. And many people consider cryptocurrency as the digital version of gold, where gold has traditionally been seen as the ultimate um, investment hedge uh, against insecurity in the in in the risk markets such as uh, as, 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 as as stocks and and commodities. Um, and what I started to notice is that the price fluctuations with Bitcoin was mirroring the types of fluctuations, not the same percentages, but just the same fluctuation or fluctuation timing as gold. So um, some very intelligent financiers have, have, have suggested that people are using uh, crypto, especially Bitcoin, as as a safe haven for their assets when the risk markets decline. So, and that's part of the reason why I think Bitcoin is having quite a resurgence as we speak. And it's quite a noticeable coincidence that gold, the price of gold is at all time highs, over $2,000 um, an ounce for gold uh, so I think it's here to stay um, the only thing that I'm still curious about crypto in general is if crypto will actually start to have a physical use in commerce I know there are websites that enable you to pay in Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies, I'm aware that you can cash out your Bitcoin or buy Bitcoin at kiosks. But I mean, I certainly haven't paid with anything. It's, with it's an unnecessary cost to have to physically print money, print cryptocurrency. That's what you mean. In terms of buying everyday assets with crypto, yeah, there was a coffee shop I remember in uh, Baker Street. I was accepting cryptocurrency and bitcoins to be specific and like you said um, like steven mentioned who cares about the real world it's the dark web <laughs> you, you want to order yourself some drugs you know yeah you don't need to meet no one you need to go out you don't want that, that evidence out there you want to deliver straight to your to your to your doormat you know get the real world man we're trying to compete against amazon here you know the real world is dead fam. <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> yeah no 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 that, that that is that is true i've 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 seen some options to, to to purchase certain things with bitcoin um ls um you know I'd, i would like to say that i have you know a couple thousand bitcoin that i could use you know towards regular purchases uh however a couple of um, thousand only um however, yeah i know i know i just i I, I I lost out. Um, no, nobody nobody fact checked. Nobody fact checked 
uh, this, this segment of the show, please, by the way. Um, <laughs> we wouldn't want to have to post a, a, a correction in the next podcast uh, about the statement that I just made. Um, but yeah, uh, I think here to stay, but it, it, it comes down to the disruption that it that it could cause to the financial markets proper really um i think that's when it when it starts when it starts really affecting the real the real world in terms of finance properly then we'll see uh some 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 real drama actually going on and just to touch on Moody's point about the cost of printing printing money or cryptocurrency, so don't don't forget the the world is on a on a slow progression towards a cashless society. Um, it'll take longer than anticipated, but there's an inevitability about that transition to a, a cashless society. How do you how do you reduce the issues around counterfeiting of currencies around the world, which leads to you know the multi million pound investment in the development of new technologies uh, to embed into new new types of notes to to add some resilience, only for it to be counterfeited within a within a year, um, and you know cause subsequent disruption to to currencies. Um, so, but that in itself, again, leads to the other set of issues you would have by having non-physical only payment types and options. So different, all, all of the security, security measures, connectivity measures, um, different elements in terms of, uh, age demographic and their ability to purchase purchase things. So that's that's my Yeah, you they, they turn off the lights, you're broke, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well this is it. Yeah. I think I think, I think I think I'm I, the thing about cryptocurrency is it's like with most things, there's always something there. Um it's not decentralized. Like that was that was something they touted at the beginning as a way of being able to trust it. It's not decentralized. Though. Get that out out there. Um, and then in terms of what it's trying to solve, apart from being able to avoid tax, which is you know why everyone probably is trying to use it. Um, yeah, it's, it shouldn't it already be disrupting everything because I could send money to someone in in say back home in Nigeria and it's nobody's business as long as they know how to spend it in Nigeria. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that 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 is possible. The only thing about sending currency or crypto, um, and it's been a little while, mm. is actually the cost it's of sending money, uh, which is it's not free. So when again, going back to Christmas twenty seventeen, I thought. I'd be a nice uh, older brother and send my younger brothers some crypto for Christmas. And I, I had an amount of money that um, I wanted to share out between my, my, my three brothers. And uh, by the time 
I sent the money to them. I, I withdrew it from the different wallets that I had and sent it to them. Um, it had lost probably about 50% of the value because of all the fees wow. and commissions that I had to pay to just get the money in my hand to then, or the crypto metaphorically in my hand to then just forward it on. Do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what would be a better crypto I'm looking for? I'm looking for crypto where we could all, you have to, everybody has to buy a pie. You know, like you have to have a wallet. Yeah. You have to buy a pie computer. So we all host our, our damn ledger. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. ping it across to you from my pie little computer to yours. <laughs> there should be no middleman. End of story. I'm paying my bank, my internet bill. So what's your business? You this know? is it. Well, this, this, this episode was not sponsored by Raspberry Pi, by the way. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, it's not an idea. I'm, I'm not doing that anytime soon. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But, but I, I like that. I like that. Everyone has a pie device. Then that would be decentralized because no one owns it. You know, truly. Well, well, we've got the right man suggesting the right idea, Moody. So, uh, so I'll look yeah. forward to your first prototype. Well, you know when it comes. Come soon. <laughs> All right. So, Moody, thank you so much for your time today, sir. No problem at all. I enjoyed myself. Excellent. And, and Stephen, as always, thank you very much, sir. Uh, you're welcome. It was a pleasure as ever, as always.